So you're thinking about running, but not sure how to take the first step. My name's Brian Patterson, and I'm here to help. And welcome to Brian's Rompod. Well, welcome back to Brian's Rompod. In the second part of an interview I did with Andrew Wren, who is a professional running coach in the Teddington area, he starts by explaining how he approaches training a beginner. If you haven't listened to the first episode, please do. I found talking to Andrew extremely inspiring and very informative. I really do hope you enjoy this part of the discussion as much as I did. Over to you, Andrew someone some someone who comes to me with no event in mind and just says okay i want to run for i want to learn to run properly that's that's a joy a genuine joy because we'll do everything right yeah we'll do i'll I'll teach them how to sprint i'll teach them how to um uh i'll teach them how to run long long distances i'll teach them how to run up and down hills you know there's so much so much stuff because you can just use the joy that we have for running and just 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 take that and just hand it to them it's magic Yeah. yeah Yeah. I mean, just you just prompted something, a question in my head, isn't that? And something I'm becoming more acutely aware of now. Okay, not, not just because of, I've been doing this podcast or whatever, but I do see some people and I'm just, I'm just uh, filled with jealousy because I could just run. I wish I could run like them because they, 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 the way they run is it just either there's kind of this effortless ease and, you know, relaxation and they just seem to be enjoying it more. Whereas, you know, from <laughs> someone like me, I don't, I don't know. It just seems well, I, to be I would some, say, yeah, I would say yeah. that's what makes you a runner. Like yeah. I would say having the feeling of that yeah. is yeah. what actually makes you a runner because uh, everyone feels like that on every level at some stage. Now, I guess um i feel like that i live um close i live in teddington in southwest london yeah. i live quite close to a sports university i don't know why i'm pointing it to you pointing it yeah. out to you um so same occasionally so, yeah. the same areas indeed yeah and there are um often sort of 18 19 year olds come gliding past to me past yes. me like you know they occasionally tap the ground to check it's still there as they go past <laughs> um you know and like that sort of stuff um and i, I look at them and i just think wow you know (laughs) yeah that's incredible right but like on other days i'm that person to somebody else on other days the somebody else who i was i was that to is that inspiration right so like from from usain bolt and kipchoge down we have like um everyone has this layer of being the sort of to make it sound make it sound possibly a bit too preposterous but like the sort of inspiration to somebody else Mm. um so um i would say though it's important to actually be able to find the times when you do feel really in in a sort of in a flow with running Mm. um Mm. it's 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 quite easy from a coaching perspective one one uh one thing that i i find i find myself doing is telling people that they that their natural pace is not the pace that they should be running at because 
most a lot of people just go out and they just run right a lot of people like a lot of people will 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 do that there's no plan they just go out and they run there's nothing wrong with that um but often there's no need for that like often there's no need to just go and run like sometimes it'll be too fast to build to to build their endurance without adding too much fatigue it's not fast enough to add speed um it's not fast enough to actually be a tempo run um mm. but mm. So from a, if I was doing it purely on a kind of clinical basis, um, mm. I would just rule that sort of thing out. But realistically, you can't strip the joy from someone's running, right? That's not that's not helpful to anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, it's it's important to um, like like you alluded to at the start. It's important to have the the coaching as a as a collaborative process where where yeah. both people are involved, not yeah. just me dictating to someone. Yeah. What do you think about, because um, I've heard it sort of banded about, about this sort of uh, cadence running, you know, that you should be running at this optimum SPM, you know, like 180, whatever, you know. It, 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 you know, for some people that, that may not be possible, but is it is it something that, is that something for beginners? Obviously, people who are at an elite level, they can do that, but... Um, no, it's not something we should be. In simple terms, no. Um, in there's a lot of this with running. There's a lot of this in the fitness industry. Um, it's essentially sort of simple answers to complex questions. Yeah. Um, there are lots of people who run at too low a cadence. Yes. There are very few people who run at too high a cadence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the problem is that fixing cadence or adjusting cadence, yeah. better way to put it. Yeah. could well have and almost certainly will have knock-on effects elsewhere yeah. so if you increase your cadence there's an extremely high likelihood um that your foot strike will change slightly um there's an extremely high likelihood that you'll add more uh stiffness into your body unnecessary stiffness because yeah. you're yeah. because running is a very rhythmic movement so yeah. if you change the rhythm or you change the tempo more, more, more to the point if you change the tempo then it's going to fundamentally change the way that your the way that your body works and it's going to have knock on effects so from a a pure basis if you went from running at 160 uh 160 cadence to going out the next day and running at 180 there's an extremely high likelihood that it would have negative side effects um now you just wouldn't enjoy it <laughs> Well, no, you wouldn't enjoy it. It would be weird. And whenever people weird, change yeah. their cadence, it feels yeah. really strange. Yeah. Um, when yeah. I get people, I actually did work on cadence literally yesterday with someone. Um, yeah. yeah. And um, I only do it through sprinting. It's the only yeah. time we do it. Um, I don't do it. I, I use sprinting as a drill quite often. It's one of the one right. of the things that I, I use quite a lot. I use sprinting as drills because I find that if you can put the thing that you're wanting someone to do into sprinting, it actually applies better to running rather than just doing it as a drill rather than doing it as a skip or as a standing drill or something like that i find that if i can apply it into sprinting um it actually carries over in a, in a slightly more fluid way mm. so what um what we were doing yesterday was um we had three trees in the park well four actually because we were stood next to one at the start so from the start to the first tree yeah. Um, we'd focus on uh, cadence, so yeah. tippy-tapping our feet. Um, and I had a metronome. Um, we were going at 200. And 
right. Okay. So 200 from the first tree, so from the first tree to the second tree. And then the second tree to the third tree, we would focus on relaxing our bottom lip. So ensuring that we shed any tension that we'd added into our body by increasing the cadence. Interesting. Interesting. And then from tree three to tree four, we'd focus on lifting our knees up to Mm. accelerate again. Mm. Um, And that essentially mimics how you would race a 200 meters in that you would accelerate and then you would float and then Mm. you would accelerate again. Mm. Um, But what I was able to do there was able to essentially coach three different things, but Mm. in the same, in Mm. the same action. Mm. Um, Because we're, when you, when you try and increase cadence, it's a good time to actually try and reduce tension because Mm. you add a lot of tension into your body. So you're putting someone in a position where they can really feel tense Mm. and then get them to relax. Mm. Um, Yeah. So it, it can be a useful thing to coach, but not always. It's usually something that you would coach when you were trying to, eradicate something more obviously negative Mm. Uh, so some people and this is extremely prevalent among among triathletes in my experience is that they will because cycling cadence is about 100 or so um, they're quite used to putting out big power um, in sort of body kind of uh, cadence Um, so you'll find that when they sprint like running is really simple maths when you think about it, right? It's the amount of power that you can put out times by the amount of times you hit the ground. It's as simple yeah. as that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, if you ask someone to accelerate, if their cadence is super low, they're not going to increase the number of footsteps barely at all, but they're going to increase the power a great deal. Um, now, that's going to mean that there's some really there's some real problems with efficiency, right? Um, so in that instance, yeah, you would want to increase someone's cadence um, but if someone is uh, an ultramarathon and they race, they race 100k ultras. That's that's the main thing that they do. The power that they're putting out with each uh, with each sort of foot stroke, for example, it's just not going to be a, a huge issue for them to run at 160, 170. No, no, um, no. So it really does depend on the person. It really depends on the running style. Um, I will sometimes train cadence in order to stop people from overstriding. Mm. Um, mm. But like f- fundamentally, I, d- I don't know. Um, this is going to be a bit of a left field shout on this one. Um, people will probably be aware of the cricketer, Jimmy Anderson. Um, yes. Now, yeah. Jimmy Anderson had a, a very specific action in like 2004, 2005. And mm. they tried to change his action because they wanted him to be a certain thing. Right. They right. thought he could be a certain type of bowler, mm. um, whereas actually changing his action just made him worse. Right? It didn't. It didn't make him better in any kind of way. Mm. Um, so it yeah. wasn't until he sort of retreated back to where he'd used to be yeah. that he actually became one of the greatest test bowlers of all time. Right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. So so I often find that taking a a, a sort of lower intervention. Yeah. Uh, stance in some things is quite useful because the, the changes you could make further down the line are um, potentially worse than the things that you start yeah. off with. And I suppose from going from what you're saying is that you're as, let's say, as a beginner, that um, as they become fitter or, you know, get used to running, they're, the, the cadence part of it will be as a byproduct 
in terms of that will be kind of a natural evolution it, it, you know it, it may or may it may yeah, increase yeah, yeah. you know it, it, sort of it, thing because they are getting may. stronger and yeah 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 absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah um it's certainly not something i would worry about with beginners ever no you're right 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 uh, probably not even in the first year of running no <laughs> um what what do you say to i mean explaining to let's say beginning about i mean i know you you touched on you know, you're doing a, a speed session about doing interval training. I mean, how would you, you know, explain? You said, well, you know, someone's come. I've I've come to to you, and and let's say, and I'm going to be running a 10k for, you know, as a particular thing. And I said, well, you know, I I hear a lot about speed training. How, you know, interval training. How can that help me? Mm. Well, how oh. would how would you kind of, or, or would you say? <laughs> Stay I mean, clear are, of it or what? There are so there are there are five facets of running fitness. I'm going to forget one. It's going to be brilliant. Um, yeah. Coordination, flexibility, yeah. speed, strength, endurance. Right. Okay. So uh, endurance is the one that all of my athletes are training. There's absolutely no no question about that. Um, obviously, I care about it a lot, but it's it's like everyone who comes to me wants to train their endurance um flexibility you know separate um but speed and strength two of the five right um now people might not necessarily think that speed is uh well in fact a lot of people a lot of people will try and self-deprecate themselves through the floor when i speak to them oh i'm not very fast no i'm very slow i'm not um and I think I think people are overly overly defensive about that because a large makeup of your muscle fibers uh, will be fast twitch muscle fibers. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning to actually use those muscle fibers is going to be extremely useful for for every type of runner. Otherwise, you're only utilizing um, a, a proportion, whatever portion that is. You know, some people will have more slow twitch, some people will have more fast twitch, etc. But but from a fundamental perspective, um, it, it's a more rounded way of using your your muscle fibers. So that's on the micro level. But on a macro level, your the way that you move your legs when you do um, speed work or sprint work um, or uh, tempo intervals, whatever they are, is slightly different to the way that you use your your legs and your 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 body when you do uh, your long runs. Mm. So. If you're um, a new runner, especially beginners, actually, this is especially relevant to beginners. If you're a brand new runner and you're um, you're just plowing the same movement through your body, you're using your calves. You're you're likely to be massively overusing your calves. In all honesty, um, your calves, your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, using them in exactly the same way over and over and over and over again that's the kind of thing that can cause issues with your body. Mm. Whereas if you, uh, if you, you start to do some slightly different movements by which I mean, either running super fast or running a little bit faster, it's going to change that the, the way that you use your body, meaning that you're not just making the exactly the same movement each time. Like for example, like if you were going to the, um, if you were going to the gym and you were going to train arms, you wouldn't just do the same exercise for an hour. Right. You wouldn't just just sit there and do sort of bicep curls for the same hour. And there's, you know, a similar number of muscles in the arm as there is in the leg. Yeah. Um, so 
it's it's about utilizing the body in in slightly different ways so that people don't get issues because what what can happen um now i think this is a a bad perception necessarily but i understand where it comes from people that that think that runners get bad knees um and runners do get bad knees i mean it's a fair point it's not necessarily just the running that's the problem though it tends to be bad knees i mean knees are just a knees are just bone right nothing's nothing's actually going wrong in the knee itself it's it's being pulled in either direction by the three muscles which connect to it yeah um and if you overuse the calf then you're pulling too much in that direction or if you were to overuse the quad you'd be pulling too much in that direction um so your joints will be helped by um running uh running fast as well as running slow uh, yeah. because the likelihood is that when you run fast you bring your knees up more and you utilize mm. your quads and your hamstrings mm. um now from a um a purely health perspective um there's um there are a lot of health benefits uh, as we get older um to doing sort of higher impact exercise uh, because it strengthens your bones mm. um so you know there's that as well there's the the aspect of like um the the our muscles also uh our muscles also waste a little bit more as we get older so yeah. you know actually using them in a bit more of a um an even more eccentric way yeah um then is a you know it's a useful thing to do mm-hmm. but but also does does the speed work translate to kind of you know a better sort of aerobic more so more aerobic uh better aerobic capacity you know Uh, yeah absolutely i mean if you're if you're the more you open up your lungs the more you can open up your lungs in future right um right like the um your uh from a purely aerobic capacity yeah i mean the like zone two zone two endurance work so the the easy runs the long runs whatever yeah um primarily uh the so primarily work in terms of you know processing fat and in terms of you know using the heart as a muscle right um like yeah there is an aerobic component like it would be it'd be churlish to say that there isn't but um you're going to open up more parts of your lungs by um running super fast and you're going to increase your your sort of vo2 max is called vo2 max for a reason right it's it's not the it's not vo2 min right um so so yeah there are um but like it it, it will certainly help you aerobically but um the that's so there's different there's different stages at different um at different points right because um if you take base um sort of zone two endurance um skip zone three because we don't really need it um zone four is sort of just below your 10k pace and that's mm. useful because it's it's helping to move up your lactic threshold. Yeah. Um, so the, the faster you yeah. can get your lactic threshold, the faster yeah. you'll be able to run. We haven't even talked about that. Marathon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, but then speed work is going to, um, if you do it properly, uh, yeah. uh, get controversial on that. If okay. you do it properly, you're going to increase your overall top end speed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, I mean, touching on that, because I know – we we did talk about um uh you know like tempo running do people get confused with like tempo running and that lactic threshold yeah or is it one and 
yeah, I thought you might say that. Um, so, so, so why, what, what it explains? The, the, the terminology, yeah, yeah, fine. The terminology is all quite woolly and it gets used in different ways by, um, British coaches and American coaches and it gets used in different ways by cycle coaches and by running coaches. In mm. cycling's tempo is zone three. Um, and mm. in running, mm. we would never use zone three. Um, so <laughs> that's, uh, that's going to sound quite mystifying to a lot of people, but essentially, Zone four is just below your 10k pace. Yeah. If, if we, if we measure your lactic threshold to be your 10k pace, then your, then zone four, uh, tempo. Um, now tempo can be called tempo. It can be called, um, threshold. It can be called muscular endurance. Um, mm. you mm. would, th- th- those would tend to be defined by how long the intervals are rather than by what the actual speed is. Um, now you can, there are lots and lots of different ways to skin this particular cat. But, um, specifically you can, you can do it by going over and under your lactic threshold within the same run. You can do it by, um, staying 10 seconds per kilometer slower for the entire run or for 10 minute intervals or whatever it is. Fundamentally, they're all doing relatively similar jobs. Um, so if you hear threshold run, tempo runs, um, tempo runs tend to be maybe slightly slower and more steady state. Mm. Um, but that's purely nomenclature. There's no, um, there's no real difference in terms of what the function of the run is for. Um, Mm. so like if you're doing a, uh, anything around, under 10k pace um or maybe just over 10k pace the design of the run is intended to improve uh lactic threshold yeah okay fundamentally yeah okay okay and uh and that's a wrap for another exhilarating episode of brian's run pod thanks for tuning in folks as always we've got your back with all things running and next week get ready for some awesome beginner hints and tips to kickstart your running journey Oh, and before we sign off, exciting news. We're now available on YouTube. So whether you're padding the pavement or chilling at home, you can catch us there too. Plus, we have a new feature on the podcast. You can now send me a message. Yep, you heard it right. Brian's Rompod has become interactive with the audience. If you look at the top of the episode description, tap on send us a text message. You can tell me what you think of the episode or alternatively what you would like covered. If you're lucky, I might even read them out on the podcast. Hey, if you want to keep up with the latest updates, behind the scenes fun and even some exclusive content, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter or should I say X at Brian's Rompod. We've also just launched a shiny new Facebook page. Simply search for Brian's Rompod and give us a like. And don't forget to hop on over to Instagram where you can catch all our visual adventures at Brian's Rompod. For those of you who love diving deep into the episodes, head over to our website, www.brianesrompod.co.uk, and there you'll find detailed show notes, handy chapter markers, make it too easy to navigate through our favourite discussions. Please leave a review, as it will always help find others find this podcast. Music is by Happy Days by Stock Audio, not forgetting artwork by Alice Patterson. Till next week, thanks again for listening. 